It's Red Eye Radio. Gary McNamara and Eric Harley talk about everything from politics to social issues and news of the day. Whether you're up late or you're just starting your day, welcome to the show. This is Red Eye Radio. All across America and around the planet, 866-90-RED-EYE. He is Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. Welcome. Download our Red Eye Radio app today and listen when and where you want if you can't listen live overnight. Well, uh, interesting day that we had uh, yesterday and just on the surface level of the uh, conversation uh, about uh, the banking system uh, yesterday and the uh, collapse of Silicon Valley Bank and then uh, Signature uh, uh, Bank. On the surface, it was, you know, a lot of the, the populist comparisons. Yeah. You know, right. Well, nobody pays attention to East Palestine, but the the rich depositors of uh, in Silicon Valley, they get a bailout. Wall Street Journal talking about the fact that, oh, okay, nobody saw this coming. Why would you bail out anybody who had two, over $250,000? Why would the FDIC, you know, cover them? These are rich people. They're claiming it's not a bailout. That talk really stopped by the time we got to the end of yesterday. It's a bailout and everybody knows it. Yeah, you can't do it. It was uh, they, uh, they uh, Wall Street Journal broke it down. At least fifteen billion dollars will have to be paid by someone else, which means, well, it goes to bank fees. Yeah, but the bank fees means that's passed on to the customer of the bank, the majority of the customers at bank people that have two hundred fifty thousand dollars or less right. in banks. Right, and and so you look at that plus the 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 backstop now uh, for uh, banks. If you have to sell any of the long-term assets that you bought that are only collecting very low interest and you have to cash them in, that the federal government will back those losses, which is the only way you can do that is with cash. There's no other way. So the first thing we got out of it was nobody, or especially the markets, got any comfort from the president coming out. And one of the problems is when it comes to financial things, there is no credibility in this administration. No. On inflation, there's no credibility on this inflation, uh, on, on the the economy when it comes to an inflation, because you were lied to about it, and they were wrong again and again and again and again and again. And so when the president came out, made a statement, then turned around as they started asking questions and walked out a door that was the unusual part they had a door that he opened yeah walked through and closed it and you could hear the click click as the questions were being screamed to him really when you have a situation like this and you are attempting to soothe the nerves of investors and banks and consumers and depositors would be you sit and you answer questions you bring somebody else out with you and you answer some of those questions in order to alleviate fears, they did the exact opposite. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and you know, the it was a yawner from the markets. They scheduled this 30 minutes before the markets opened for a reason, uh, thinking they were going to get ahead of it. But it is this it is this arrogance by this president and, and him again and again and again and again. 
essentially turning his back. He's not going to answer any questions. He he doesn't know what's going on. He can't tell you what's going on. He's going to read from a prompter and then he's going to walk out. Uh, and it's it doesn't look like leadership. It looks like the worst attempt at spin. And those that's the difference. You know, we go back to the debate season of 2008. Remember when the Obama team and the John McCain team came off the road from the debates and the stumping and they went to the White House to save the world. And we were like, oh, come on, get over yourself. But it was about the what was going on. That was the very beginning of the housing crash. Well, it was the beginning of the uh, public learning about the housing crash. And we, we said, you know, all right, let's see what they come up with. And we went through all of that. And I think the market learned a lot of lessons from that. But I think even if that had not happened, I think this administration has no credibility. They look at, at, at Janet Yellen. Uh, they look at it and say, okay, uh, the the bond market, there's a lot of questions in the bond market. I'm not smart enough to tell you all the concerns that there are, but I can tell you right now a lot of people are nervous about what's going on with bonds right now and the whole inversion. Is it anything? I don't know. There doesn't seem to be a great deal of action based on fear. There's a lot of media hype based on the bond markets and it may just be that it may be media hype and it may not be a problem long term i can't tell you that if i could make those predictions then i'd probably have a little bit more money in my bank account but those are the things that the market looks at as to what this administration says they're going to do and honestly the market looks at this and If it were the case uh, that the markets believed that all the banks were insolvent, then they may be looking for uh, the, the federal government to come in and save them. But I think they actually made it worse yesterday because there is no leadership here. There really aren't any answers here. And I think they did more damage by setting up a long-term plan to basically uh, instill more socialism in banking. Mm -hmm. And that does not settle well with the market. The market is free-based, free-based. Sorry, (laughs) I was thinking of Hunter Hunter for a minute. And I've been reading on Hunter Biden and not Joe Biden. Um, (laughs) Hey, you believe in it? Hey, Hunter, you believe in a free-based market? Free-based economy. (laughs) I was in one. <laughs> he was in one for a while. He doesn't know how long, but it was a while. <laughs> Freudian slip or great comedy. Uh, before we go any further, there was a meme out yesterday, and mm-hmm. it says, uh, uh, it, uh, it's like, uh, uh, it's, uh, it, it's white, it's higher than a balloon, a weather balloon, and it's owned by China. And there's a picture of <laughs> Hunter. Hunter, yeah. <laughs> That's a guy. I didn't see that yeah, one, but that's funny. Yeah. Um, but you you look at that, and 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 what the market wants to hear is the government getting out of it because 
you may say to yourself, well, no, 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 no. Big business doesn't want to fail. They want the government with their, you know, their big handouts and bailouts and everything else. The failing ones do. But successful businesses, the ones that are not on the brink, solvent companies look at this and say, the more you get involved, the the less we can be competitive in the marketplace. And that's exactly what you see here. This is not a case of, you know, all the banks being on the brink. It isn't. And you're not going to sense that if anybody is trying to make that case. That's just nonsense. There were, you've got a couple of banks. They specialized in a certain type of clientele. This is not a John Wick reference, by the way. (laughs) And they are, if you look at what they were set up to do or how their business, basically their business model was driven and the sector that they served, the tech sector, then it shouldn't be any surprise that something like this has happened. And that kind of exposure, whether it's Bitcoin or or the tech sector, uh, either way, with either of these banks, that kind of exposure comes with a great deal of risk. But when the government steps in and takes risk out of the marketplace, the marketplace looks at that and says, no, wait a minute, we need that because, what do they call it, creative destruction? Yeah. yeah. In, 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 in capitalism. Yeah. In capitalism, because it allows for the stronger companies to come in, acquire assets, and then grow from acquiring those assets. And you may say, well, the big companies just keep getting bigger. Well, frankly, we all want a solvent bank, and I'm okay with that Yeah, but myself. remember, remember after 2008, 2009, by giving the implicit guarantee to the big banks, yep. this is where we, we said, we said yep. this back then, that the in, entire setup was, well, too big to fail means that we will bail out the big banks. The big banks will always get a bailout. Yep. The small banks will not, right. which put the big banks then in a better competitive advantage across the board because they can take the risk where smaller and regional banks couldn't take the risk. And so the same liberals that are screaming that we hate the big banks, the people that they put into office are giving the advantage to the big banks. And uh, I guess... Uh, we'll play the audio coming up here next. I've got some audio that I want to play because one of the things that was brought up, besides when you brought up uh, John Wick, what were those gold pieces actually worth? Uh, but be- <laughs> before we get to that, uh, it was, um, we'll have this audio coming up from Kevin O'Leary. Uh, Kenneth, uh, Kevin O'Leary. Yeah. I want to say Kenneth. I don't know why. Oh. From uh, from Shark Tank, who was on CNN yesterday. And he said, and it's it's true based on based on policy of what you've seen. Not law, but based on policy, he said this is the beginning of the nationalization of banks. Because if they, if those depositors over two hundred fifty thousand don't lose their money, and and the taxpayer has to pay for it because someone else is paying for it. Nothing. The administration's trying to Janet Yellen and Biden's trying to tell you something is free and it's not. And the consumer will be hit by it. It's the same thing, the same lies that the left tells you on corporate taxes. Right. We're going to tax the corporations. You're not going to be taxed. We well, sure I am, indirectly. Yeah. They're going to pay yeah. you the taxes, but the taxes come from me, the consumer, right. to them. Right. So you are taxing me, and the liberals love stealth taxes. They love taxing you, but not directly, yeah. but indirectly, because right. then they're not doing it. Those evil corporations are. Right. 
Uh, but Kevin O'Leary uh, talked about it where he said, look, this is the beginning of the nationalization of banks. If the if those depositors got bailed out, everybody will. At that yeah. point, then risks doesn't matter to a bank anymore if the government is going to bail you out. You've just nationalized the banks by policy. We'll get to that coming up. Mm. 866-90-RED-EYE. Another atmospheric river flowing through California this past weekend. And according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, It seems like this one is really putting the icing on the cake in terms of some of the impacts. We've actually gone from drought to... Another atmospheric river flowing through California this past weekend. And according to USDA meteorologist Brad Rippey, It seems like this one is really putting the icing on the cake in terms of some of the impacts. We've actually gone from drought to saturated soils in much of central California, and that is leading to increasingly severe consequences, such as significant levee failures along the Pajaro River in central California, leading to the inundation of the community that also shares that name, effectively going underwater as the levees on that side of the river broke. High water crests are also reported along the Salinas River, which flows along prime ag land in the Golden State. And with another atmospheric river event underway now, lasting through midweek, we may see worsening flood conditions, not just in the coastal areas, but also the interior sections of the state, namely up and down the Central Valley of California. I'm Rod Bain reporting for the U.S. Department of Agriculture in Washington, D.C. This report is made possible by Cenex Roadmaster XL Premium Diesel and Sitco Lubricants. Lines open for your calls. 866-90-RED-EYE on Red Eye Radio. And now for a segment called Just Something I've Noticed, brought to you by our friends at Motel 6. Just Something I've Noticed. There's a lot more yawning these days. Have you noticed that? Yeah. And the bad thing about yawning, it's contagious. Now, I'm not a scientist, but I do know that's true. You see somebody else yawn, all of a sudden, you got to yawn. You know what helps to curtail the yawning? How about a great night's rest at Motel 6? Book online at motel6.com. Use the code CPREDEYE to get 15% off your stay at Motel 6 or Studio 6. With almost 1,500 locations across the country, there's almost always a Motel 6 or Studio 6 nearby. Truck parking is available at most locations. Enjoy a clean, comfortable room at a price you will love when you use the code CP Red Eye. That's the letters CP Red Eye, all one word, for 15% off your stay at Motel 6 and help curtail the yawning. That's just something I've noticed. Brought to you by Motel 6. The next time you're on Interstate 80, stop in and see the folks at the Iowa 80 Truck Stop at Exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. They're always open and ready to serve you. Enjoy a sit-down meal at the Iowa 80 Kitchen or grab a bite from one of their nine quick-serve restaurants. You'll love their clean restrooms, huge gift store, beautiful convenience store, and, of course, the Super Truck Showroom stocked with plenty of chrome, lights, and more. While you're there... Don't forget to visit the Iowa 80 Trucking Museum next door. It's free. The entire team at the Iowa 80 is very excited to celebrate 60 years with you. They look forward to being your home away from home for another 60 years. Sending you a giant thank you from Iowa 80, the world's largest truck stop on I-80, exit 284 in Walcott, Iowa. Iowa 80.
It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Carley, and I'm Gary McNamara, 866-90-RED-EYE. Uh, I think you're going to hear a lot more Republicans talking about uh, nationalizing the, the banking system, mm. especially after, you know, this is uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank bringing it up on CNN yesterday, what he believes happened over the weekend. But what effectively happened over the weekend is that he nationalized the American banking system. It's no longer a risk it's no longer private in any sense. It is now backstopped by the government, ultimately the taxpayer. So it doesn't matter how bad you are as a bank manager. And a good example is what happened in Silicon Valley Bank. That was a combination of a negligent board of directors and idiot management. That's a very powerful cocktail when put together. And it completely wiped out that bank. And that's what should have happened. And we knew before the weekend started that every account with $250,000 or less was insured and anything beyond that, which is generally business accounts or sophisticated investors, was not. But that's all changed. Now you have no risk in any bank anytime, and you as the taxpayer bear that going forward. Yeah. And that, that won't change. Those, those costs won't go away. And it means that, of course... You know, banking becomes less competitive. And it also means that if you're going to set this tone, right, um, if we go back to the beginning, the very infancy of the subprime mortgage thing, you and I go back to the article that was written September 30th, 1999 in the New York Times that warned that it would be much worse than the savings and loan scandal. But you look at that idea of the government coming in saying, all right, we want you to create these products for uh, these individuals, uh, this income. Okay, great, but we'll charge them more interest. Well, no, you can't do that. So you set up Fannie and Freddie. Well, of course, that's going to come with more and more regulation. If anybody believes this is the end, the government stepping up, the federal government stepping in, taking the risk out of banking is going to come with the price that he just mentioned, and we've talked about, increased fees in banking, but it will come with a greater price down the road, and that is the regulation that is still yet to come because they will step in and say, well, you guys got bailed out, and now we're going to have to reform banking altogether. You give them an inch, and they'll take a million miles. And that's why I think Republicans are going to be loud on this. I mean, where are we, where are we going in the bank? They better be loud on it. Where are yeah. we going in the, the, the banking system? And, and he had talked later on. I mean, he, he was being interviewed by Don Lemon. I was telling you, I said, man, the questions were really dumb mm-hmm. that they asked. Now, he didn't ask whether the money was being – Don Lemon did not ask whether the money was being sucked into a black hole <laughs> somewhere. <laughs> like he did <clears throat> for Malaysia the Malaysia airliner. Airlines. Yeah, exactly. But oh, – yeah. uh, uh, O'Leary's talking about this, and I'm sure there'll be a lot of analysis. He said, "I'd never go in a bank stock again in my life, right? You know, because right. the, the 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 risks, you know, the risks of that because you may get wiped out as a stockholder. Mm-hmm. You know, they may protect the investment, but everything's backstop now, right? And if it's backstop, you know, why would I? He said, number one, I wouldn't go in because you're not going to see the profits anymore. Right. The profits aren't going to be nope, there. Nope. And he talked about idiot. And this was really interesting because it is true. No matter where you go, there are idiot managers everywhere. There's, yeah, sure. there's idiot managers. We that don't make, have any in that, our company, by right, the way. That make, oh, we're the exception to the rule. Yeah, we don't have any, any right. in our company. And, uh, <laughs> None. Zero. <laughs> exactly zero. 
<laughs> and we and if we did, we don't know about it because nobody talks to us. No, that's I'm kidding. right. Uh, but um, uh, it, it, he's, and, and but the the thing that again, creative destruction. Yeah. The fact if you fail, well, then that makes every other bank look and say, "What are we doing?" Right. If you don't fail, and then you know you've got the government backup. It's the same thing with the mortgage debacle that we had. Right. Everything was based on government. If right. government had yep. not got involved right. in the mortgage, in manipulating the mortgage market, we never would have had the meltdown. The meltdown was based on the fact of the implicit uh, promise and backing of the U.S. government for bad mortgage paper. Over and over again. Over and over again. That's why That's, that's what happened. But when the government backs it, you get bad mortgage paper. And, and, and that's it. That's it. And over and over again, you see more and more regulation and you see greater control. Look, uh, the left wants full control of the huge chunks of the economy. We talk about the controlling the capital, socialism. Controlling the means of production, we're not quite there yet, but you control the capital more and more. How do you do that? By having your hand even deeper inside the banking. That's why I industry. said it's nationalizing through policy yep. and 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 the implied promise rather right. than law that you've exactly. nationalized the banks. Exactly. And Eric Harley taking your calls. 1 866 Red Eye. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Harley and I'm Gary McNamara. 866 uh, 90 Red Eye is uh, we uh, talk about the collapse of the SVB Bank and uh, also a Signature Bank. Uh, I want to play more of this, uh, this audio from uh, Kevin O'Leary from Shark Tank, who was on CNN yesterday on their morning show. Here's what he had to end with. This really does make you think about owning bank stocks long term. I think they'll be underperforming the index for decades to come. That's my personal opinion. But it's the behavior of you as an investor in the actual accounts. If you're a business, you can't put it all in one financial institutions. Certainly, everybody learned that lesson over the weekend. So diversification is going to matter. But this has fundamentally changed the way you should look at banking because I'm not really comfortable that all of a sudden we've de-risked everybody all of the time. It was a good idea to de-risk $250,000 and make more sophisticated investors think about their behavior and how they should put their capital to work. Get diversity. You don't have to do that anymore, according to what the president's going to say. You have zero risk, and that has consequences. There's no such thing as a free lunch. And this is going to be very expensive for shareholders of banks long term. Right. I would never put my money into a bank stock ever again. Yeah, yeah, right. And the consequences are you're going to have to pay for it. Because we start lumping all the banks in with this, and this was not about all the banks. Because we are all going to have to pay for it the, uh, through the uh, uh, FDI members, the, the, the banks, and they're going to have to raise their fees. And then whatever else happens for 
the federal government promising to uh, make the investments of uh, uh, Silicon Valley Bank uh, whole so that they didn't essentially lose out there. If that's going to happen, then that's going to require taxpayer money. Tell me how it works otherwise. But we're going to be paying for it. And that's the problem I have with it. It's the same problem when they were shoving money into the tills of banks in 2009. Because they said afterward, well, only a few banks were on the brink. But we didn't want to run on those banks, so we gave all the banks a bunch of money. Well, now you muddied the waters. Nobody can tell who's on sure footing and who isn't. So how do we, how do we judge who to do business with? What companies to do business with? And I think that's what he's saying. You're taking away the profitability. It's one thing to have the FDIC policy in place up to 250000 That protects the average consumer. We're, we're not talking about average consumers here. We're talking about Silicon Valley. And in the case of Signature Bank, as of early last year, over one-fourth of their deposits were companies that were that were the the crypto companies that at that point were already taking a nosedive that kind of exposure if those companies want to or, or banks want to do business with those companies they can assess their own risk and 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 proceed accordingly but if they go under don't ask me to bail them out don't ask me to pay for it. And that's exactly what's happening. And I'm not the only one. All of us are in. Yeah. They create they basically just said, okay, all right, this is this is on everybody. This but, isn't just yeah. on uh the people who knew that their business account with Silicon Valley was only insured up to two hundred and fifty thousand. They knew this going in. The bank itself knew. Well, this is Silicon Valley. And for the last year plus, they've watched tech companies uh, draw out more of their own money because venture capitalists weren't getting involved as much as they were. They were tapping the brakes on tech companies. What does that tell you? Well, if our deposits are drawing down, then we need to be on sure footing and we also need to do an audit process to make sure we can fund those withdrawals along the way. This isn't difficult if you look at the big picture, but it comes with a great deal of risk until the federal government says it doesn't. And that means we pay for it. Right. Well, we paid for it in 2008, 2009. Yeah. Remember, this was all the uh, the goodwill of the, 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 the government. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. remember, everybody should be able to own a home. Right. The American and, and, dream. Right. The, and the American dream, own a home, own a home, own, everybody should be, well, everybody shouldn't be able to own a, own a home at a particular point in history. Right. right. Hopefully, you will be able to own a home, mm-hmm. but that doesn't mean that the government should make it where you don't have the means to afford a home and they back, they back it or back you in a horrible loan, which you can, not pay off, right? Skyrocket the cost of housing in America, 
because of easy money, creating a huge bubble. Yep. And it was all based on the fact that oh, we're the government and we believe that everybody should be able to, be, you know, to have a home and a home that they want. Mm-hmm. And it should have never happened. But all of the suffering, all of the suffering that happened out there was people who, well, bought a home they couldn't afford. Yeah. And were out. Right. Uh, you know. They weren't done any favors by this. Right. They couldn't afford the home. Right. And now they've gone through a foreclosure that's going to remain on their credit history, and they may never qualify to Re- own a home. Remember the one, there's a woman who lived in California. I think you probably remember this because we tend to re- we tend to forget the same things and we tend to remember the same things. Yeah. I yeah, found yeah. out from working together yeah. so long. But there was a woman, and they talked about it. Remember she got like a, what was it, no down payment? No, was it no... I forgot. Negative equity. She she had a loan where she was making uh, maybe $5,000 a month. And the interest on her mortgage was like $4,000 a month or $4,500. And from day one, she couldn't afford the mortgage. Well, there was that. And, and, there was, and yeah. she was screaming. Remember, she was a victim. I'm a victim right. of this. Right. It's like... Well, okay, yeah, but you made the decision to go into well, this. Well, that's it. And there was one uh, that was, uh, in fact, uh, in part, the focus. Uh, David Faber at CNBC did a special called House of Cards, not to be confused with the uh, Netflix series. And in that special, uh, one of the profiles was a woman who had negative equity. In other words, she made a a minimum payment, but the interest was greater than her payment. Yes. So it added to the amount she owed, which is why they call it negative equity. And every month, the amount she owed increased. The principal amount increased every month. How in the world, first of all, why in the world would you agree to that? And how in the world would anybody ever think that that's a good idea or a product? But I'll tell you how. And that's when the federal government government comes in and says, oh, we got Fannie and Freddie and we'll bundle these and and we'll sell them all around the world. And they'll have all a triple rating, a triple A rating. And the reason they'll have a triple A rating is because of the implied backing of the federal federal government. government. The United States is backing it. And we said, we've always said, it's like putting a bunch of college guys on an airplane and saying, take 10 grand to Las Vegas, go to Las Vegas and gamble 10 grand. And when you come home, we'll guarantee you have at least 10 grand in your pocket. Yeah. If you everybody win, makes if, the, if if you win more you keep it but when you come back everybody gets back to the ten grand again. everybody makes the big deal out of um How, the big the, the movie the big short which didn't tell half of the story but that was part of what was going on of course people were gonna this is the way it was gonna go investors were gonna take advantage of it because you can't lose and companies like countrywide the mortgage company had way too much of that bad paper, subprime loans, on their books. 
they were weighted very heavily with that bad paper, and, as and, we, and as they we t- went under. No, and we uh, we also talked about the the their, the the banks had to compete with Fannie and Freddie, right? Yeah, the the banks that didn't get the implicit guarantee of the federal government, right? Well, they had to compete in essence with the federal government, so they also wrote bad paper. Otherwise, they couldn't compete. They took if they, they in order to be competitive, they had to take a much greater risk to right. even appear slightly competitive when the mm-hmm. when the government is basically in control with Fannie and Freddie. So, wh- where's the winner? Tell me where the winner is. Well, I would have thought that by now Fannie and Freddie would not exist. Yet it's more than ever. And now we've got we still have horrible loan products out there on the marketplace. Uh, we don't have the I don't know if we have the zero down thing in play. I don't think that's in play with any of the lenders anymore. I know uh, one of my daughters just bought a house, and that that definitely wasn't zero down. <laughs> they put a lot of money down, but but they wanted to do that to make sure you know that they could pay that house off as soon as possible. And these are the things though that you look at and you say, okay, well wait a minute. What are we doing here? I'm all for people if they if it's their dream to have to own a home, great. You start with your first and we used to call it a starter home, mm-hmm. right? All right, let's get this one done and then see we can start building equity along the way. Sell this makes a little money down down the road after we build that equity. Take that money and get into a bigger home, nicer home, newer home, whatever it is. You mean the thousand square foot, two story home that my my parents lived in that really became suburbia in the nineteen fifties and nineteen sixties. All the smaller homes that existed because that's all people really could afford. That's all the you know if they actually you know took a good loan out that wasn't backed by the federal government, they their their purchasing power wasn't as great my wife and i uh our first house with the garage built in was under 1100 square feet 16 grand it was an older house and uh it was a great house and served its purpose became our first rental property the whole thing but we knew what we could afford and couldn't afford still today i don't like that idea you know, of going in and biting up more than I can chew. That makes me, I can't live that way. It's just the way I am. I can't do that. But I would encourage anybody that wants to do that, that want, or wants to get into home ownership to do it in small steps. You don't climb Everest by just booking a flight. I wonder what the response will be from Republicans this week when they digest all of this and what is happening and what this policy, because does this now become policy? Is this the exception to the rule? Quite possibly. I mean, I, I, I don't, I think it, on the, on the policy thing, I think it, it quite possibly does. I suspect that it's going to, and the left is going to push this, and they're also using it. We already heard the, it was about 24 hours ago when New York Times and the opinion piece, the guest opinion piece by Elizabeth Warren, uh, you know, uh, that piece there is, of course, taking off on Republicans and see, this is the problem with deregulation and this is the problem with the Fed. And they went further during the day yesterday with the Fed 
saying, well, wait a minute, the Fed shouldn't be raising the rates the way that they're raising rates at this rate. And you may see that slow down because of the pressure. 866-90-RED-EYE. Get in touch with Red Eye Radio, toll free at 866-90-RED-EYE. It's Red Eye Radio. He's Eric Cronin. I'm Gary McNamara. I'm telling him, I'm just shaking my head because you, when you were talking about Elizabeth Warren saying, you know, part of the problem is the, you know, this because of the bank failures is mm-hmm. is because of the uh, the interest rates rising. Mm-hmm. So what she's telling the Fed is, look, you can't be you can't be raising the interest rates because idiot managers of banks aren't doing their jobs and right. idiot depositors are putting all their money in one financial institution. Right. So you can't raise interest rates. Uh, in order to stop inflation because idiots exist out there and we must save them from themselves. Well, I mean, you know, in, in, in one paragraph in her, uh, uh, guest piece in the New York Times, she wrote, uh, yesterday, she was going after, you know, the, uh, the rich while basically supporting the bailout of <laughs> Silicon Valley. <laughs> I mean, they it, can't just, they can't figure out what side no, to be on. No, now. they can't. They they really can't. It's you know, it's that a, uh, um, you know, it, it, it that liberal mindset that has them chasing their own tail, and that's exactly where we are. But expect expect that call to to go even further. I think this week to slow the roll at the Fed and not increase the interest rates much further. This is Red Eye Radio on Westwood One. Movies, TV shows, books, podcasts, and more. It's what women binge with Melissa Joan Hart and her friend Amanda Lee. We have Lauren Bosworth with us. Yay! The Hills. So what is like your number one question from fans? The primary question I still get asked was, what, is it real? (laughs) (laughs) In 2024, to me, is a surprising question to get because I feel like everybody has been through the reality TV gauntlet at this point. What women binge wherever you listen. The Ed Milet Show showcases the greatest peak performers sharing their journey, knowledge, and thought leadership. This is one of the all-time best pieces of advice ever given on the show. Actor Rain Wilson. The number one thing that psychologists point to with young people of why they are struggling so much in this mental health epidemic is they don't have resilience. So how do you build resilience if you don't understand suffering itself? The Ed Milet Show is available on YouTube or wherever you listen. 